have your Bible tonight, I want to just invite you please to open it up to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I started a couple of weeks ago to preach a sermon and uh, it had seven points and I got through one point. And so last week I was determined I was going to preach the other six and I got through one point. <laughs> and I thought this message is too good not to finish. And so uh, I don't know how many points we'll get through tonight, but if it's just one, you'll get the point. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm glad some of you got that. <laughs> You're not experiencing extra brain fog because you have the mask on, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, I was talking to Becky on Sunday, and she said, Dad, I don't know how to break this to you, but we're not breathing in carbon monoxide. We're bringing, breathing in carbon dioxide. I said, I know that. I was waiting to see how long it would take for someone to correct me on that. <laughs> she said, well, I've, I've known it for weeks that you've said that. I, just, I thought you were just trying to be funny. I said, well, maybe I was. <laughs> you just never know, do you? <laughs> but uh, we're, we're here in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want us to begin in verse number 20, where here the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Lord, help us tonight to discern your truth. Thank you, Lord, for these sweet folks that are gathered together here. Lord, I pray for many who yearn to be here with us. And I pray, Lord, that whatever the situation that's keeping them from being here in person with us, I pray that you would take it out of the way. And Lord, enable folks to gather. Lord, we know how truly important that it is. Lord, now I pray you would fill me with thy Holy Spirit as we gather here together. For we pray this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're talking about giving God the glory in the church. God created you for His pleasure. The Bible declares it. It says... In Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, number 11, Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and wisdom and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so we understand that we have been created to please God. Let me tell you that it pleases God when we submit ourselves to what He is affecting in us, and that is he, is call, he has called us to His eternal glory. And one of the things that we must understand about that is that that is a process of sanctification whereby the Lord is forming us more and more each day into the image of His Son, Jesus. Now, you say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible declares it so in Romans chapter 8. And it's amazing to me how many people can quote Romans 8, 28, but they don't know verses 29 and 30. The Bible says in verse 28, and we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them, what? Who are called according to His purpose. There's that word again. So, let's follow. What is God's purpose? For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. Here's the purpose. To be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. You see, He gave us a sinless, a holy standing before God right now in love. If you are a child of God, the standing that you have before Him right now is unreprovable. It's unblameable. God calls you holy. You are accepted in the Beloved in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. You have a sinless, a holy, a perfect standing Before Almighty God. He has already glorified you. In the economy of God, it is a done deal. But down here on this earthly plane, we're not quite there yet, are we? How many of you know that uh, there's still some working that God needs to do on you? (laughs) You know, I remember that old statement that we made a button out of, and, and it was a big, long, old acrostic, And I couldn't even quote it to you if I had to. Maybe if you held a gun to my head, I could figure it out. But uh, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. How many of you remember that? Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. So what was that conveying? Well, God is working on this old guy right here to every day make me more like himself. And so I'm a work in progress. What is he doing? He's leading me on to glory so that my current state and my eternal standing will absolutely be in total agreement together. I will live up to the person that I am in the presence of my Savior. You see... Sometimes people say, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, when God sees me, He sees me through the blood. I've heard that so many times. And, and the fact is, I've, I've probably said that a thousand times. I've probably preached that. But I realized something, that that work is finished. So He no longer sees me through a work that's done. He sees me as complete in Christ totally acceptable he sees me because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and so God is leading us on to glory and what that does you see is he's calling you to reflect the image of the glorious one and our our whole existence as a people and as a church is to bring glory unto the Lord because my friends He is the only one who is deserving of it. 
And the Bible says in Psalm 29 in verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. I like that verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So that's a call for us to do everything that we do unto His honor and unto His glory. And so in the previous two weeks that I began preaching this message, we, we learned that we should glorify God through the Scriptures because what glorifies God is when we conform to His purpose for our lives. And the way that we know what that purpose is, is through the Word of God. That's the only way that we can duly and properly render glory unto the Lord. We cannot come up with our own philosophy or ideology. Uh, Let me mention to you that uh, we began in our men's Bible studies on Tuesday night dealing with the epistles of Peter. And as we were dealing with some introductory information concerning uh, 1 Peter, we were made aware of the reality that Peter is the apostle of suffering. Okay, That's what God appointed him to. And last night we looked at, in John chapter 21, where that Jesus said unto Peter when he was recommissioning him, as both a disciple and an apostle, he said, Look, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whithersoever thou wouldest. But when thou art old, another shall take thee, and carry thou whither thou wouldest not go. And this he spake, concerning what manner of death he should die. And so what Jesus was telling Peter was this, that if you choose to follow me, that choice will result in you dying the death of crucifixion. Church history records that indeed, about 60 AD, Peter was taken. By the way, he never did make it to Rome. He never went there. Despite what the church in Rome wants to tell you, he never made it there. By the way, he was a married man too. He had a mother-in-law, right? And, And by the way, he wasn't sinlessly perfect either because he got carried away with some hypocrisy in Galatia and the Apostle Paul had to, had to reprove him to his face. And so he was kind of disqualified on three counts from being the foundation of the church. Can I get a witness? You, you know what I'm talking about. You realize, okay. But look, he came to be crucified and he said, I'm not worthy to be martyred as my Savior died. And so he was crucified upside down. And the fact is this, that uh, he was in that way conformed to the image of Jesus. But he was an apostle of suffering, became the apostle of hope, because suffering begets hope in our lives, the hope that there's something better, the hope that there's something more to deliver us. The apostle Paul was the apostle of faith. The just shall live by faith. The apostle John was the apostle of love. And that was the theme of his epistles and his writing. And he, of course, was that disciple whom Jesus loved. But what I want to share with you about this is the fact that we are living in a day today where that people want what pleases their flesh, especially as they set about to determine where they're going to uh, join as 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 a member of a church family. They want to know, 
the carnally minded things? Do you, do you have a sports team for my kids? Do you have a, a playground that's air conditioned? Do you have you know, all of these things? Do you have a great band? Do you have all of these things, these opportunities? Do you have a skateboard park? Uh, you know, there's a church over uh, not far from where Mark and Debbie live, and I, and I, and I have to drive by it quite often, um, that has a skateboard park, they have hiking trails, they have a fitness center, they have a nightclub there. I, I mean, literally they spent millions of dollars building a nightclub. And uh, they have hundreds of, of uh, sports fields and things like this. And, and the fact is that there are many people that will go there because of all of those things. They'll never one time meet the pastor, never shake his hand. In many instances, not much even hear from him other than maybe a few minutes every week. And, and, and then they get to decide, you know, musically what they want to hear. Here's my point. You'll turn on the TV, you'll go to a mega church, and you will hear a message that warms the heart and talks about being kind to your neighbor and all of the things that we might tell a three-year-old. Do you understand? And we're never really truly challenged with the issues that the Lord through His Word tried to prepare us with that when the Bible says all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The choice to live a godly life and to render glory to Him as a member of the body of Christ, the church, indicates to us that what might follow that and what indeed will follow that is suffering in the life of a believer. You know, that isn't going to pack out the house. Do you understand that? That's not what people want to hear. They want to hear that if they're having a hard time, that this is going to be their breakthrough year, that, you know, if they, in 2021, if they sow a seed of $2,021 in 2021 minutes, they're going to get a check in the mail, and, and you know, it, it, their life is going to be on easy street because they sowed a seed in faith, and, and man, isn't that wonderful, or their, their arthritis is going to be taken care of, or that glaucoma is going to be miraculously healed, whatever it is. And it, and who doesn't want that to happen? But the reality is there are some times where we realize that if we read through the Bible, God wants to use poor people. You know, God's never sustained the church for any duration of time by a, a few wealthy people bestowing rich gifts upon the church because the Bible says in James chapter 2, hath not God chosen the poor of this world who are rich in faith? Just common ordinary workaday people giving what they can, bestowing it upon the work of the Lord, and God putting it all together, and it's kind of like synergy. The, the, sum is, the, 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 uh, the sum is greater than its parts. It, you know, God puts it all together, and somehow it goes further than we ever thought that it could. And, you know, I just believe, my friends, that we need to recognize that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives, and sometimes it might involve suffering, sometimes it might involve difficulty, sometimes it may not be exactly what the televangelists and the radio preachers are trying to orient us toward, but it is leading us on so that our life, our current life on this earthly plane is being lived more and more to reflect the eternal standing that I already have before a thrice holy God. 
who is calling me to glory and who is every day working that out in my life. And so we know that we can glorify God through the scriptures and that means dealing with all of them. Paul said to the elders of the church of Ephesus in Miletus, he said, I have not shared, shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. And so he, he didn't leave anything out. He shared it all with them. And yet, how many times do we see folks just kind of picking and choosing and we're going to skip this part. It's not what people really want to hear right now. You can uh, do the research on this. You'll discover that uh, for 20 years, the number one selling Christian book in the entire world. Okay, it, for the first time, it was always the Bible for generations. The number one selling Christian book in the world for generations was the Bible. Okay, but in the 90s, that all changed. It became another book called The Purpose Driven Life. Before anyone ever heard of The Purpose Driven Life, there was a book called The Purpose Driven Church, written by Rick Warren, a pastor in Lake Forest, California. In The Purpose Driven Church, which somebody gave to me, I wasn't going to waste my money by trying to buy it for my own show. Somebody gave me a copy of it thinking that I could learn something from it. And, you know, I, I think that you can learn something from anybody, even if it's, if it's how to be a bad example, right? And uh, But the fact is... Uh, I opened that up, I began to read, and it talked about how to build a church and to build one by survey. And, uh, and then it made the point of saying that if you want to have a growing church, you can't talk about hell, and you can't talk about sin. Don't ever preach about sin because it offends people, and they don't want to hear it, and they aren't going to come back if they think you're sitting in the seat of judgment. So don't ever talk about sin and don't ever talk about hell. Friends, if I never talked about sin and I never talked about hell, why would anybody need to be saved? The fact is they wouldn't. We have raped and pillaged the gospel in reality, perverted it to the bone if we remove the impetus for salvation. You, you cannot do away with that. And in fact, it, it renders the Spirit's work in salvation entirely useless. Because the Bible says that He will reprove, that means convict the world of sin. So when I come to the Lord to be saved, it is the dynamic of the Holy Spirit convicting my heart that I am a sinner and that I cannot change th that fact, Right? And so, unless someone confronts me with my sin, I don't even understand my need of salvation. So he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness. That is God's absolute righteousness, my absolute unrighteousness, and of judgment. What is the judgment that follows those who reject God's offer of salvation? It's hell, folks, right? It's hell. That's it. So look, the work of the Holy Spirit is completely predicated upon what that best-selling book among Christian ministers for about 15 straight years, it renders the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation entirely useless. 
That's why, apart from this book, we can't truly glorify the Lord as He's called us to do so. Do you see that? And look, I'm not just blowing smoke up here, trying to make it up as I go and shooting from the hip. This is the reality. And so, listen, we talked last week about glorifying Him through our sacrifice, and this week I want you to to understand God's purpose for us as members in particular of the church of the living God is to give Him glory. Now, if you have uh, your Bible handy there and your fingers nibbled, go to the book of Matthew in chapter 5. This is a verse that if you haven't committed to memory, you should. It was our theme verse as a church last year. And so I think it should be familiar to you already. And that is this. The Bible says in verse number 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me say that again. Let your light so shine where? Before men. Right? So understand this. People say, well, you, you know, don't judge the book by the cover. Well, you know what? We shouldn't judge a book by the cover, should we? That's the wrong thing to do. But do you know what people do? They judge the book by the cover. You know why? Because that's all that they can see. You know what you can see of me? The cover. Now, I hope that if you uh, get to know me, you can look beneath the veneer of this great physique. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can look beneath the veneer and discern a little bit about the person that's beneath the suit. You know, And, and, and what I'm simply saying to you is this, that look, let your light so shine before men. That who? The men may see your good works. And then what will happen? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. So they'll see your works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Folks, let me tell you something. There are people that we know who have come from the worst places and God has saved them. And their lives were in such ruin that people thought they'll never amount to anything. They'll never get saved. They'll probably never go to church. And we've seen the miracles of God's grace. And then we've seen those people begin to engage the work of the Lord. And people that knew them say, this is nuts. I had a man paint my home who grew up with Brother Jesus Garcia. Um, uh, and... This, this fellow, he's a, he's a fine Christian man. He, he doesn't go to our church. He goes to another church in the valley. But many times I had the opportunity to fellowship with him. And he and Brother Jesus uh, went to elementary school and middle school, junior high school and high school together. And uh, I, I don't know if they crossed over the border together. I think maybe they hired the same coyote when they came or something. But, uh, but the thing is, uh, really, you talk to him about it. They have horror stories come through. And I'm, I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just the truth. You know, he told me. But you know what? The other day, he said, he was at my house doing some touch-up painting. And, um, and he said, I've been watching your Spanish services online. And I said, what do you think? He said, I can't believe it. It is just a miracle. And I said, why? He said, you don't know how bad Brother Jesus was when he was a kid. 
He was a gangster. He was mean. He hurt people. He did bad things. And to see him preach in the world, listen, that's not the guy we know, is it? He's the guy that'll give you the shirt off his back. He's the guy that when he met a family who had a child that was dying of leukemia and they were going to get put out of their home, he moved them all into his house, all eight of them, and fed and housed them for months and never took a penny from them. That's the man that we know, right? And so when people look at him, they say, that was not inherently who he is. How did that happen? They look at his service to the Lord and they realize that had to be a dynamic work of God. That's the only way. A miraculous work of God that that could have ever happened. Sunday after the morning service, I, I was checking on the rehearsal that was going on in here for Easter, and I, and I poked my head into the choir room where our Spanish ministry was meeting, and there was Brother Jesus counseling with a, with a couple uh, that had some needs, and I just thought, praise the Lord, that here's a guy that years ago, everybody thought, listen, he's getting a DUI every weekend. He's, you know, he's on a first-name basis with Sheriff Joe, and, 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 and look, he, he's, he was a mean, bad guy, and now he's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet anywhere in any country at any time in your life and the praise and the glory goes entirely to the Lord God. And the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. The transformed life engaging the service of the King. Because I'm going to tell you, you know people who you grew up with or you lived around and they knew the old you. And they would swear to all of their friends at a drinking party that you'd be the last person ever to darken the doors of a church house. And now, that's what you crave. And they thought, you're the last person that would be a reborn, Bible-thumping Christian. And now you personify that statement. And the glory has to go all to the Lord God. We can glorify Him through our service Turn over in your Bible to Galatians chapter number 1. Are you with me? I know, is it hard with masks on to be in church? I find it's not easy being anywhere with a mask on. Really, I mean, it's just, I I, kind of get settled into this thing. Once I get, get it to the right spot on my nose and it doesn't fog my glasses up, how many of you have that trouble? It fogs your glasses. I, and that's frustrating. But every once in a while, I'll get it right to a place where it's not fogging my glasses up with every breath, you know. And then I'm taking shallower breaths, you know, beneath it because uh, I don't want to fog things up anymore. And, and I just, it, you know, I, it gets sweaty because there's moist inside that mask and it gets warm and, you know, just, and it, you know, it kind of gets that way, right? And, uh, and so... Um, I, I want to encourage you to stay alert for the next few minutes. We're going to look at some things here. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 15, the Bible says, but when it, what's that next word? Pleased. So look, we've been created to please Him, right? Here's what Paul said about that. Here's what pleased God. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace... Here's what pleased God, to reveal 
His Son in me. What was it in Romans 8, 28-30? To be conformed to the image of His Son. What pleased God in Paul's life? To reveal His Son in Him. In other words, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what he's saying. Alright, so, he said, I, that I might preach Him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. And other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was known by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. That's what I'm talking about. Let your light so shine before men. What did these people know about Saul of Tarsus now calling himself Paul the Apostle? That he persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He put him in jail. And now what is he doing? He's preaching the faith which once he destroyed. And what was the result? And they glorified God in me. The operative words there are the last two, in me. You see, the glory went to the God that was in Paul. It didn't go to Paul. What did they see? They saw the evidence of a transformed life engaged in the service to the king, and the glory went to the Lord. Now, how many of you are like me that you have some things in your bygone days that you would rather stay there? Let me see your hands. Okay, You have things that you're not really so proud of. Maybe some skeletons in the closet that you would not like to put out on public display, right? And the fact is that there are people that were close to you once that perhaps knew the person that you used to be. And now, should they see you, they're saying, man, I can't even believe you're the same person. What made the difference? It was the Lord. The glory goes to the Lord. It, look, I know people want to give glory to AA because they got clean and sober. But you know, if, if God lets you trip and fall down at the doorstep of an AA meeting and, and you went through 12 steps and you, you got sobered up enough to hear the gospel and, and, and you got clean and sober, listen, thank the God that led you there. Amen. I'm, listen, I'm not on a crusade to beat up on, on, on you know sobriety programs and things like that, but Ultimately, listen, why does God want you to be clean and sober? It's so that you could fulfill His purpose for your life. And He does have a beautiful purpose for it. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do you realize this? That, that Paul who said that these people who were afraid of me because I persecuted them. Now they glorify the God that's in me. And they just say, this is wonderful. And so what did he say in this same book in chapter 6? 
God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. You know, God wants us to each one recognize He's gifted us at the very moment of conversion. He gave you a spiritual gift, and that was for you to begin serving. You read about that in the book of Romans in chapter 12. It is to engage His work through the ministry of His body and to ultimately in the end render Him glory because His desire throughout all ages is to be glorified in the church. To be glorified in the church. Now folks, I just want to leave off with one simple thought that really is profound as much as it's simple in Colossians chapter 3 and I've been teaching through this on Sunday morning in the Sunday school hour but the Bible says this in verse number 23 of Colossians 3 and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to recognize that I serve the Lord Christ. I'm not going to, as it said in verse 22, be a person that would with do eye service as a man pleaser. In other words, I pretend to be a person that I'm really not while people are watching. Just to please man. But I'm going to live my life to please and honor, to glorify my God knowing that in the end, He's the one that I'm serving. So listen, do you want to fulfill the purpose for which you were created? Submit yourself to God's plan of calling you and bringing you onward to glory, forming you more into the image of His Son. And here's what is said of Jesus in the book of Acts. Luke recorded the history of the early church spoke about Jesus and you know he said this he went about doing good he went about doing good the Bible says for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you live long enough to make it to your 40-year high school reunion, this year would be my 40-year high school reunion. That's hard to imagine, 40 years ago. Um, and I show up, and people meet me. Would to God they would say, man, what happened to you? And my only answer could be, Jesus. Jesus happened to me. And they say, praise the Lord. Lord God, thank you for this time that we could spend together. Thank you for these precious ones. 
that are assembled here. Help us, Lord, to determine, to fulfill the purpose for which You created us. And Lord, may we, through our service to Your body, bring You honor and glory. And this we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.